Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing to the latest edition of the 12 Kyle podcast. I'm 12 Kyle. Check this out. On this podcast, we're going to take it back. We're going back 20 years and talking about the miseducation of Lauren Hill, the solo album from Lauren Hill. It actually turns 20 years old this year. We're going to break it down. We're going to talk about why this album was made, uh, the huge success that it was, the production, and the overall impact. And we're also going to explore what may or may not have been a driving force behind this album. So sit back, relax. We'll drop the theme music and we'll get the podcast jumping. Let's get it. You know, miseducation, um, you know, it, um, wow, it, it, every day it means something more <laughs> to me, actually. Um, people automatically thought, you know, oh my, she must not have done, you know, maybe my, their teachers didn't teach anything, but that, that wasn't it. Um, the, the meaning behind it was really sort of a, of a catch in, in me learning that, you know, when I thought I was my most wise, really not wise at all. And then my humility, you know, and, and in those places that most people wouldn't expect a lesson to come from, that's where I learned so much. And, uh, you know, and so I termed the phrase miseducation, you know, not because it was a miseducation per se, but just because it was sort of contrary to what the world says is, is education, you know. It was this education that came from life and experience you know, and um, not necessarily academic, all academic, but related to living. Welcome back. As I mentioned in the intro, we're talking about the debut solo album from Lauryn Hill, The Miseducation of Lauryn Hill, 20 years later. It's really hard to believe that this album is turning 20 years old, but it actually dropped August 25th, 1998. And it's bugged out because this album really doesn't feel that old. Or maybe we're getting old and we just don't want to acknowledge it. Um, man, what can I say about this album? I guess we have to start from the beginning. The This album, at least to me, came as somewhat of a surprise. Um, everybody knew Lauren from, you know, obviously her success with the Fugees. Um you know, they had the their first album, uh, Blunted on Reality. Uh, and <laughs> what's interesting is that album, you know, for lack of a better terms, flopped. And so there was a huge speculation uh, throughout the industry that they were actually going to be dropped by their label. And um, obviously they came back and they did the score uh, and they dropped that in 1996. And I mean, if you're a hip hop fan, you know how huge the score was. And if you don't, you need to look it up <laughs> uh, or better yet. When you finish this podcast, go back and listen to the podcast that I did on the score. Incredible album in 1996, one of the greatest years in hip hop. Um, and that album contributed to that greatness. Uh, but again, 
what was always interesting was there was always this underlying theme and this underlying rumors about, you know, whether or not Lauren should go solo. And if you heard her on <laughs> on the score, you knew that she was the star of the group. I mean, like anybody that's followed this group like I have uh, from you know their inception knew that, you know, Lauren Hill was definitely the star of the group. And that's no disrespect to Proz and Wyclef. <laughs> but um, it, it was pretty clear that she was the star. And, uh, you know, not only was she doing movies and, and, you know, singing and everything like that, she was just so talented. So, you know, here we are, 1998. Uh, hip hop was, you know, really changing. Um, at that particular time, the landscape of hip hop was changing. Uh, around this time, you know, Jay-Z was really, really bubbling. Uh, DMX was killing it. Um you know, Big had died, Tupac had died, you know, the whole East Coast, West Coast thing was, you know, hip hop was still kind of reeling a little bit. So it really, really wasn't on his feet, uh, you know, as far as a level of stability. But, you know, good music was still being produced. Um, I'd like to say the back end of the 90s was the last push of really, really great hip hop. Uh, I think we've got, you know, over the, the years, the subsequent years after that, I think we got some really, really good hip hop. But this was the last push of the great hip hop albums in bunches uh, in 1998. And obviously, um, you know, the miseducation of Lauryn Hill is up there. Uh, so, again, you know, people were really, really uh, eagerly anticipating this album. Um, while, again, it came as a surprise to some uh, once it arrived, we were really, really uh, happy with, you know, what was going to take place. Because, again, you know, this is pre-internet. <laughs> so there was no there was no rollout or anything like that. Or you couldn't look up and see, you know, what was going to be happening on the album. Um, you know, but Lauren was going through a lot of changes and personal changes. And, and I'll get into that in, in just a few. But, um, you know, she was in a different space, obviously, in making this album. Uh, now, one of the things that, you know, stands out about this album, obviously, is the production. Um, this album was actually produced. Now, if you look at the the credits, um, it'll tell you that <laughs> Lauren Hill produced this entire album by herself. Well, with the exception of uh, Veda Nobles and Che Guevara on Lost Ones, um, she's pretty much credited with the production of the entire album. But she actually did some work with a group called New Ark. Um, and she, the, the Newark group was not credited, uh, some of their production credits that they wanted to get. And then they subsequently sued Lauren. And I think if I'm not mistaken, that was settled out of court. Um, but the production on this album was really, really tight. Um, I think one of the things that also stood out, obviously, uh, when you listen to this album is the, 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 the theme, um, and so the album starts like this. Please respond when I call your name. All right, Kevin Charles, Jairus Boykin, Alicia Simmons, Philip Valdez, Gabrielle Salado, um, Latoya Bradbury, Anton Mitchell, Shaquan Sutton, Corey Thomas. Aaron Lucas, Camille Caldwell, Tamika Marshall, Lauren Hill, 
The album starts with, you know, in a classroom and the teacher is, you know, having a roll call and, you know, he calls out Lauren Hill and Lauren Hill doesn't answer the phone, excuse me, answer the call. Um, and so subsequently you keep hearing that there's a couple of interludes uh, that are br brilliantly uh, put into this album um, and it keeps going back to that teacher in that particular classroom. And he's asking the kids about love and he's asking them about, you know, what do they think about love and being in love. And I thought the, the interludes were really, really dope. Um, but again, the production on this album was really, really cool. Uh, very, very different from what I would say is very different from what most people initially had expected. But again, if you follow the Fugees and if you follow Lauren Hill, you, you know, looking back on it now, it kind of makes sense. Um I guess one of the elephants in the room is uh, when you think about the production and the overall vibe and theme of this music, you have to ask. And it's something that has always been debated. Is this a hip hop album? Um, <laughs> again, that question has come up a lot. And the reason being is because Lauren Hill prior to this album was, you know, considered a hip hop artist. Um, but when you listen to the album, you know, Lauren is singing on most of the tracks. There are 14 tracks as well as two hidden tracks. So 16 tracks. Uh, I think she's rapping on five or six tracks. Let's say she's rapping on six tracks. So the majority of the album, she's singing, uh, <laughs> to be honest, that, that part took some hip head, hip hop heads, um, you know, by surprise, if you will, uh, because they were expecting, you know, to get this album and Lauren be on her rapidy raps. And she does rapidy rap, but not really as much as you might think. Um, but again, if you look at what happened with the Fugees and her performance on the Fugees uh, album, the score, you know, looking back on it now, it kind of makes sense. Um, and then when you look at where she was, uh, both both from a spiritual and an emotional standpoint, you can kind of understand how and why this album sounds and feels the way that it does. Um, she was a woman who had gone through a relationship, had some issues with the relationship. Uh, you know, she uh, obviously, um, you know, was pregnant and had subsequently had her first child. Um you know, prior to this album being done. So, you know, she had gone through a lot in between the time of the release of the score, the huge success of the score. And I think the score, that Fuji's album, I want to say sold like 10 million. And I mean, like the Fuji's were everywhere. So they were on MTV and they were pop stars and rock stars, if you will. Uh, they had really, really exceeded most expectations from that group. Again, they were <laughs> a group that was almost about to get dropped in between uh, their first album and the score and then here here comes Lauren with this solo album and people really weren't sure what to make of it all they knew was that it was a dope ass album and so um, you know again the production I thought was incredible uh, the the theme and the uh, subject matter I thought was really really dope and it was something different and something that resonated with a lot of people um, 
particularly the ladies. I can't lie. <laughs> to be honest, if you were around in 1998 when this album dropped uh, and you were between the ages of, let's say, 13 and like 33, probably every woman <laughs> or at least every black woman that I knew in that demographic had this album. Um and it wasn't. I, I don't want to. Th- I don't want people to think that it was a a chick album. This is a dopely written, dopely sounding, incredible ass album. I mean, so I love this album. Um, again, was she on here rapidly rapping? No, she wasn't. But when she did rap, you know, she gave us L Boogie. You know, it, it, here's what I'll say. Check it. This album is a great contrast between Lauren Hill. And L Boogie. I love Lauren Hill. I love L Boogie. So I think she gave us a little bit of both. Could could she have rapped more on it? Of course she could have. But I thought what she gave us was dope. Um, this album was critically acclaimed, loved all across the world. <laughs> uh, this album, and I mean, record sales are important, uh, but this album sold through I want to say this album sold like 10 15 million copies um and it gained her obviously international fame world fame uh, more fame than she probably <laughs> probably would have liked uh this album actually scored her um 10 Grammy nominations in 1999 uh making her the first woman to ever be nominated that many times she actually won 5 uh, best new artist, best R&B song, um, best R&B vocal performance, and best R&B album. And the Miseducation of Lauryn Hill album actually won a Grammy for Album of the Year. Um, and that was the first hip-hop album to ever receive that award. Uh, which is interesting. If you listen to what I just said, she was nominated for these R&B categories, but she won Album of the Year and they considered it to be a hip-hop album. So there you go. Um, <laughs> I don't know how that happened, but hey, uh, but again, it's critically acclaimed. Uh, obviously, it goes without saying, this is one of the greatest albums in 1998, uh, one of the best albums in the 90s, uh, period. Uh, and, and I think I could say that unequivocally, and I think anybody that knows anything about music will agree. Um, phenomenal album, and uh, you know, this, the 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 accomplishments are endless with Lauren and I think this album actually was you know kind of the the gift and the curse if you will because uh, she got all of this success and I don't know if she was necessarily prepared for all of the success and this the success from this album actually led to her you know sabbatical and being away from the music industry for so long uh you know looking back on it maybe she couldn't handle the success uh, but that's an, that's another podcast for another day. Um, but this album, man, was was incredible. Uh, it, it was an album that I think almost everybody that I knew, both male and female, had this album. And when I tell you it got airplay, <laughs> it got all of the airplay. Um, it was everywhere and she was everywhere. And I think one of the things that always stood out to me is that at this particular time, particularly in music, the way that it sounded, it didn't sound like anything else. Um, 
this album gave you a little bit of everything. There was some hip hop, definitely some soul and R&B. There was some reggae. Uh, I think part of this album was recorded in New York. The other part was recorded in Kingston, Jamaica. Uh, she goes to, you know, in a couple of songs, um, like give you an example, like forgive them father. And I will, we'll, I'll touch on the, um, on the track listening in just a second, but forgive them father. Uh, you know, she goes into Patois, which is a Jamaican dialect. Um, you know, so I think that was really dope. Um, there's a, a, a gospel element. So she, she hit you at with, 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 she hit you from different angles and it was, I just thought it was really, really dope, man. It, this is a great, great piece of work. Um, and I mentioned in the intro, uh, <laughs> there was a hidden theme in this music, in this music and in in this album in particular, um, that obviously most of us didn't catch at the time, but years later we found out. And, and the elephant in the room is that, um, when the Fugees were at their height, uh, Lauren Hill and Wyclef Jean, a uh, fellow member of the Fugees were actually dating. Um, now, Wyclef uh, subsequently broke up with her. Well, I don't know if he broke up with her, but Wyclef secretly married another woman. Uh, and then, you know, Lauren found out and, you know, obviously that destroyed their relationship and subsequently destroyed the Fugees. And so uh, Lauren, you know, that's what a lot of this album is about, just dealing with hurt and pain and, and going through things and love and life. Um, and so she touches on it on quite a few songs. And, you know, when you go back and listen to it, and I, I, I would advise everybody to, li- you know, when you finish listening to this podcast, go back and listen to it. Um, you know, <laughs> she's throwing some subtle shots at Wyclef. Uh, the song Lost Ones is a direct <laughs> a direct target at Wyclef. Um, so yeah, but it, it's, you can kind of tell that, you know, the experiences, both good and bad that she had with that relationship, uh, you know, subsequently led her to produce, uh, such an incredible piece of work. Um, she obviously moved on from Wyclef and started dating, uh, Rohan Marley, uh, son of Bob Marley. Um, and subsequently she got pregnant, uh, with her first son, uh, Zion. And she did a song that dedicated to Zion. And again, I'll talk about the track listing in just a second. But again, that relationship with Wyclef, uh, at the time that this album came out, of course, none of us knew, but, you know, subsequently over the years later, many, many years later, we would find out the how and why, and, and, and it all makes sense now. So I tell you what, let's take a quick commercial. I uh, will hear from Lauren and Lauren will, you know, kind of explain, you know, the, the, the relationship that she had with Wyclef and what that did to create this album. And then on the other side, we'll break down the track listing and talk about the impact of, of this album. Uh, sit tight. We'll be back in just a sec. I'd gone through a lot, you know, a, a huge emotional and, and, and spiritual battle prior to the creation of that album. And the funny thing is that while I was going in the battle, I couldn't see my hand spite my face. I mean, I really couldn't see anything because I was so emotionally entangled in everything that I'd gone through. But it was like once I was delivered from that situation, you know, and once I got the perspective, was able to look back at heartache and look back at pain and disappointment 
for some reason, it all was so clear. You know, it, it was just like a, you know, the picture started to form itself. The songs started to create themselves. I was able to look back and, 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 uh, and, and be a narrator of my own situation. But the interesting thing was that it, didn't, it couldn't happen while I was in the middle of the, of the confusion. Okay, how many people in here have ever been in love? I know none of the guys gonna raise their hand, but how many of y'all ever been in love? But I know none of the guys been in love. We don't get in love, right? Oh, let this black man right here tell what his idea of love is. Cause now all the time we hear young black men talking about love. About your personal definition. Don't tell me what Webster thinks. Huh? Everything for that person. Okay, everything like what? Explain. Let him talk, come on. If I asked him to talk about a fancy car, he'd be right on point. But we want to talk about love. You can do it. What do you think? You said you love somebody. You should know why you love them, right? The way they act. Uh huh. Anybody else want to deal with that? Yeah, sometimes, like, when they, when they try to act funny in front of their boys and they get around and they say they love you, they can't love you. Because love, love, love wouldn't do that. More to love than that. Love is not funny. Yes. <laughs> Let's talk about the love And just like that, we are back. Once again, it's your boy, 12 Kyle. This is the 12 Kyle podcast. And we're talking about the debut solo album from Lauren Hill, The Miseducation of Lauren Hill, 20 years later. Uh, as I mentioned before the break, we're going to talk about the tracks. Uh, I also mentioned earlier, the first track was the uh was the intro uh, with them being in the classroom with teacher calling role. And obviously Lauren Hill was not in class that day. Uh, then we get into track two, Lost Ones. Uh, this song, it didn't back then make a lot of sense to a lot of people, maybe. Uh, but it does now, obviously, because we know the story, because this song was dedicated and aimed directly at Wyclef. Um, obviously, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Lauren and Wyclef were dating during the height of the success of the score album. Um, and while they were dating, Wyclef was also dating and eventually married, uh, Marie Claudinette. Now in the summer of 96, Lauren met Rohan Marley and they began dating and subsequently had a son, Zion. Um, Wyclef later went on to admit in his memoirs. Um, that, you know, his tumultuous relationship with Lauren actually caused the breakup of the Fugees. Uh, he also said that, quote, her whole album was about her trying to make sense of our relationship. When I listen to Miseducation, it's like reading a story of our personal history. Close quote. Lauren Hill then responded by saying the album is, quote, quote the album is not about me. It's not about me being upset about a love loss. It's not 
even really being upset about being stabbed in the back. I needed to become the woman that I'm becoming and it was necessary for me to make this record. At the same time, this record may have revealed some insecurities in other people. Hmm. <laughs> I don't think that everybody was necessarily happy that I was just that I had decided to do a solo project. I think that they thought the worst as opposed to thinking for the best. I definitely do miss the Fugees. We had a lot of fun. But the funny thing about liberation is that once you get it, anything else feels awkward. Close quote. Um, Yeah. So <laughs> this song, I mean, you can go through the lyrics and I mean, she just basically just obliterates <laughs> Wyclef. Uh, and, you know, obviously that relationship is, you know, when that relationship went south, um, you know, we we were done having Fuji's albums because the Fuji's have yet to record another album. And, you know, for all intents and purposes, probably will never record another album together, uh, despite having an album that sold like 10 million copies. Um, and then this album turns out and I think and I, I, I just looked at it just now. Um, this album is sold like 20 million copies. Uh, so the miseducation of Lauren Hill was a huge success. And all the while, a lot of, well, I don't want to say a lot, but a good bit of the album is about her and, and about a woman and how she dealt with, you know, the relationship and romance and not just between her and Wyclef, but other relationships and just her life in general. And, and it came off beautifully and sonically. Um, then we move on to track three <laughs> X factor, uh, another dope ballad. I mean, like Lauren, here's the thing about Lauren Hill. Lauren Hill can rap. She can sing. Not a lot of people can do that. And she does both very well. So I, I think it goes without saying that this is one of the best tracks on the album. Um, <laughs> All I remember is back in 1998, you couldn't go anywhere without hearing this song. Um, if you were on a college campus, uh, all the girls were playing it in the dorms and in the cars and everything. So it, it was just and it was all over the radio. Um, a dope, dope track. Then you go to track four uh, to Zion uh, featuring Carlos Santana. Um, this is a song that's dedicated to her son, firstborn son. Uh, with her and Rohan Marley. And, um, you know, the backstory on this this song is that, you know, when she found out that she was pregnant, uh, you know, there were many people, you know, inside the industry at a record label and everything telling her that she should not have this baby, that it was going to kill her career. Um, you know, and she was pregnant for the first time. And I mean, who wants to, um, you know, give that up? And so, you know, I found it interesting that you know, we found out that <clears throat> there was pressure, if you will, on her, which, you know, really it should be nobody's business. It's her decision. And, you know, Rohan Marley's decision at that time as to what it was that she wanted to do, you know, with the child. But, you know, <laughs> you don't suggest that someone terminate a pregnancy just to save their career. I mean, it was, you know, it was 1998. It wasn't like this was, you know, in the 60s or something like that. So I thought that was crazy. But, you know, it's a beautiful song. Um, again, a tribute, a dedication to her son, Zion. Um, then we go to track five, Doo-Wop, That Thing. 
Um, now, <laughs> another radio banger, another street banger. Um, I mean, this is Lauren Hill at, at, at her best. Uh, another favorite track on this album. Um, this is one of the tracks that, uh, you know, along with a few others, where she's actually singing and rapping on, on the album. Um, dope, dope track. Um, she wanted to take it back and she took it back to the doo-wop. And I, I, you can't be mad at that. <laughs> um, the next jam, track seven, excuse me, track six, Superstar. Man, this was so smooth and so mellow. And I love, I mean, I used to play this all the time in my car. Like this was the jam. Um, another, another banger for right for, for her on this one. Um, it, it was just really hit after hit. Uh, this album again is very, very easy to listen to. Um, you know, it's, 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 <laughs> I call it a cool out album. You can just cool out and just li- I don't care what you're doing. You can just kick back and cool out to it. Um, then you go into track seven, final hour. Uh, another one where she actually, she, she gets on her rapidy raps on this one. And, um, I like this because this has a Fuji's feel. It's a really, me- real, really mellow beat, but um, she she drops bars on this one. Um, another banger. Um, she slows it down on the next one, uh, track eight. When it hurts so bad. Uh, <laughs> obviously, the title tells you what it's about, but even looking back on it now, when I go back and listen to it, and you can go back and listen to this album. While you could understand how and where and where she might be talking about Wyclef, it was very general. I mean, like some of the emotions that she talked about uh, in, in just living and having, you know, being in relationships. If you were in relationships at that particular time uh, or had, you know, that particular time in your life, um, you could relate. So, you know, while I know that a lot of women uh, this album resonated with a lot of women. This album actually a lot of it resonated with a lot of me, me and my friends as well, because, um, you know, you, you couldn't I wasn't married at the time. So I, I had relationships and I could understand and appreciate, you know, exactly where she was coming from and what she was talking about. Um, track nine was the next track. I used to love him featuring MJB, Mary J. Blige. I thought this was a great one, man. This was um one where both of them were singing back and forth. And uh, I was really surprised to see Mary on the track, to be honest. And what was interesting was that I remember, um, again, there was no rollout for this album. So it's not like, you know, in the pre-internet days, you just got the album and you just start looking at the liner notes. Uh, shout out to the liner notes. And so I'm looking at the liner notes and I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. Mary J. Blige, how's she on here? So um, uh, she's on there. And this is a, a really, really dope joint. Um, then you move to track 10, forgive them father, uh, very, very smooth reggae feel. Uh, again, she takes it back to her roots and she takes it back to, you know, just, it has a, uh, it really has a, a really strong Fuji's feel and sound to it. Um, but it's Lauren, it's L boogie. So I, I, I love it. Um, then we move to track 11, uh, every ghetto, every city. Uh, she talks about how she grew up and where she grew up in New Jersey, um, in Newark. Um, this is dope. Uh, this is another one where she is rapping and she really, really gives you and paints a, a really good picture of uh, how it was, where it was she grew up at. And, and um, 
even though she's rapping on it and singing on this one, it also gives you kind of that old soul feeling of just sitting back and reminiscing about where you came from. And it's not glorifying anything. It's just her just giving her heart and just letting you know how things were when she was growing up. Um, then you get to track 11, um, excuse me, track 12. Nothing even matters featuring D'Angelo, <sighs> man. <laughs> uh, I don't know where to start. This is by far my favorite song on the album. Um, I, I don't think anybody saw this one coming. At least I didn't, uh, at the time, um, you know, Lauren was a superstar. D'Angelo was huge. I mean, like, so this was a, a, the perfect, uh, mesh of talents and, um, you know, obviously she's what she's singing about in the song. She's not she's singing with D'Angelo uh, and they were trying to recreate kind of a, a feel of an old school feel of a uh, Donny Hathaway, Donny Hathaway and a Roberta Flack. Um, but this, you know, her her portion is dedicated to the man that she loved at that particular time. And that was Rohan Marley. Um, and D'Angelo was incredible. I mean, again, this is a dope song. I mean, I, one of my favorite songs. My favorite song on the album uh, by far. Um, then we speed it up a little bit into track 13. Everything is everything. Um, dope, man. <laughs> what can I say? Uh, another banger. Um, this is just Lauren Hill flexing. I mean, like this is who she is. This is a great, great finish to, to the album. Uh, and then the final track is The Miseducation of Lauren Hill. Real smoothed out joint. Really, really nice joint to close the album out. Uh, and then there are two hidden tracks. Uh, Can't Take My Eyes Off You uh, and Tell Him. Uh, Can't Take My Eyes Off You is so dope. <laughs> uh, that might be my second favorite song on the album. Um, uh, again, that song got major play. Uh, it, back in the day, if you had a, a, a if you had a mixtape, if you had a uh, get the draws mixtape, you had to put that on there. Uh, same with nothing even matters. Uh, both are true staples for getting the draws. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that that concludes the album. Uh, honestly, I could I could talk at nauseum about each track. Um. You know, this album, again, was a phenomenal album uh, and it was a huge commercial success that was critically acclaimed. I mean, the critics loved it. The streets loved it. Uh, everybody loved it. Lauren, you know, it, it had a huge impact. And, and instead of me telling you what it was, let's let's hear from Lauren. You know, I think we understood that it was going to be landmark, but I don't think I understood to what degree other people would really be deeply impacted by what was done. I was really, you know, trying to express myself. I, like I, I say all the time, I make music, not necessarily for selfish reasons, but I, I make the music that I want to hear. And when you find that other people want to hear that too, you know what I mean? How could you not be excited about that? So, I mean, there it is from the horse's mouth. She told you, you know, what it was uh, as far as how she viewed the album. Uh, I will say this much. It's unfortunate that, you know, the, with even with the success of this album, that the fallout was, you know, her taking a sabbatical and just really leaving uh, public life. I mean, she wanted the success almost swallowed her, if you will. Um, and I guess that happens when you have the 
the hottest album in the world. I mean, <laughs> you got the album of the year. I mean, 10 Grammy nominations, you win five Grammys uh, and life is coming at you fast. And, you know, you just want some type of sense of normalcy, I guess. Um, but nonetheless, that'll never take away from, you know, what she was able to accomplish on this album. Um, and I don't think that'll ever take away from, you know, who she is as a person and who she is as an artist. Um, to me, Lauren Hill is one of the dopest artists, uh, of that particular generation. Um, one of the dopest artists I've ever seen in my life. Um, and I'm a little biased. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'm a little biased. I love Lauren Hill. Uh, I have yet to see her in concert, but, uh, now that she's back on her game on her a game, I will, uh, definitely plan to make plans to see her. But, um, yeah, man, uh, uh, an incredible album. Uh, obviously one of the best, if not the best album, um, of 1998, you know, again, you can make an argument for whether or not it's a rap album. Again, some people don't think that it is, and it doesn't necessarily have to be. Uh, regardless of whether or not you think it's a rap album or an R&B album or a neo-soul album, at the end of the day, it's a phenomenal album. And that cannot be denied. <laughs> Thanks again for checking out the latest edition of the 12 Kyle podcast. Once again, it's your boy 12 Kyle. I'll catch you guys next time. 5,000.
it's never either Cause nothing even matters No more See nothing, it don't matter See nothing even matters No more Nothing even matters Nothing even matters Now my tingles go And make it to the final fall Repossess my phone, my phone Cause nothing even matters No more Nothing even matters Nothing even matters